Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Red Sox Beat Podcast presented by CLNS Media. CLNS is your leading online audio and video provider for Major League Baseball. I'm the host of this show, Chris Cotillo, Red Sox Beat reporter for Mass Live. This is episode 240, recording on November 10th, and it is brought to you by Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. We'll be hearing a lot more from them later. Busy week for the Red Sox last week. Obviously, you know, J.D. Martinez opts back in, really setting the tone for the rest of the offseason. Heim Bloom's first winter at the helm. The GM meetings will start today and tomorrow in Scottsdale, Arizona. We'll have plenty of coverage on that over at Mass Live. Heim Bloom starts his first offseason with a bunch of challenges, but gains a lot of clarity with J.D. Martinez deciding to opt in uh, the other day. So um, that decision, the big news out of Boston this week, uh, some other tidbits, Sam Kennedy saying the Red Sox haven't started extension talks with Mookie Betts this winter. That's significant. I'll get into that a little bit later uh, and really about how this J.D. Martinez decision really factors into the Red Sox future, both short term and long term and how you know they're going to approach things at these GM meetings and really start their winter. So obviously, J.D. Martinez, $23.75 million is what he will earn uh, next season. He's opted into that. A quick survey of the free agent market with Scott Boris in October. They looked around. They decided it's unlikely that we'll be able to get more than the $62, 63000000 million left on this deal um, in free agency. They figured, you know, what how, how they've structured it for the rest of it with the Red Sox, almost $24 million next year, uh, and then they will have the option to opt out again. Another opt out comes after 2021, uh, and he's still due $62.5 million, I believe, over the next three years. They figured as a DH, as a 31, 32-year-old, they probably weren't going to be able to uh, find a deal that was more than that on the free agent market and decided it's better to just go back. He likes playing in Boston. Uh, and so that news, though surprising to some, I didn't think was uh, really that shocking overall. You know, I thought it was just a case of J.D. Martinez likes playing in Boston. He's comfortable with the deal. Um, and he didn't want to go through the, the painful free agent process that he went through a couple of years ago. I mean, everybody remembers it took him until late February, early March to finally get his deal done with the Red Sox. Everybody knew that they were a perfect match all winter, but it still took so long. I don't think he wanted to go through that again and deal with the uncertainty in the winter. He doesn't like dealing with the business side of things. He let Scott Boris handle that. Scott Boris obviously you know, talked to all the potential fits, probably came to the realization that teams in the National League do not view J.D. Martinez as an outfielder anymore, strictly a designated hitter, obviously a very, very good one, but definitely concerns about every time he played the outfield last year, he'd have a back issue that would come up, miss a few games, and I don't think teams in the National League were, were really looking at him as, as a guy who could go out there and play 100 games in the outfield. That limits you to American League teams and you know, we kept hearing about the White Sox, the Rangers, maybe the Yankees, teams like that. But ultimately, uh, they decided that the best decision for JD is to come back, earn twenty-three and three quarters million next year, and have the option to opt out again. A lot of indirect and direct effects of that. JD Martinez's decision was kind of the first move, you know, the first piece on the chessboard to go this winter for the Red Sox, and it will set off, you know, this ripple effect of plenty of things. You know, it's obvious that having him in the middle of the lineup is going to be great for the offense moving forward, especially just at least for next year. You know, he's been a perfect fit in Boston. Great producer has been able to block out all the noise and, and an MVP candidate 2018 and all-star again in 2019. And uh, one of the pieces, you know, in a year where a lot of people, a lot of players regressed, especially in the starting rotation, JD Martinez was uh, really, really good again in 2019, kind of flew under the radar. Um, the numbers didn't really pop up, but at the end of the year, he was right there. The top of all the statistical categories and, 
just really so far been a perfect fit and that relationship will will likely continue for another year a couple things to note the red sox did not make any adjustments to the deal to sway martinez decision and it seems like the red sox were actually uh wanting him to come back i think there's a school of thought out there the people uh, did not that the Red Sox didn't want JD to opt in because of the financial flexibility it would create if he opted out. I don't think that was the case. I think the way Bloom operates and the way this newly constructed front office is going to operate, they have options. They're going to be creative, and now uh, there's going to be you know a lot of different options that they can explore both this week and, and beyond as the offseason goes on. JD Martinez coming back. That's a huge chunk of the payroll. Twenty four million almost out of that two hundred and eight million that they're trying to get under on the luxury tax threshold. That creates some obvious, obvious issues. And now the Red Sox are legitimately facing a, a tough salary crunch. Sam Kennedy, the team president, said at the end of the season, it's going to be challenging and difficult, but not impossible to have both Mookie Betts and JD Martinez on the roster uh, in twenty twenty. At this point, you know, both of those guys are technically on the roster, but a trade is definitely in play for Mookie and also J D. Mookie, I think at this point, if everybody's reading the tea leaves and he's not really given an indication that he want, seriously wants to stay or that he's going to take an extension or that he's willing to um, you know, make any commitments past how, when his control runs out this year, the Red Sox are going to explore trades. They're going to start that this week, and they're going to really look into it. And at this point, it would be not surprising at all to see him shipped out. It looks like you know they're going to at least consider the possibility of, of moving J.D. Martinez, but that is more complicated than you think. There's only 14 teams in the American League other than the Red Sox that could use him as a DH. You take away the teams that have DHs and the teams that can't afford him. You're down to probably four or five. And then J.D. Martinez has a no-trade clause, a three-team no-trade clause, which doesn't sound like much, but uh, is definitely going to be in play because if he's smart, and obviously him and Scott Boris are, they're going to put the teams that are going to be most interested, whether that be the White Sox, the Rangers, maybe the Blue Jays, teams like that, to give himself leverage and potentially renegotiate that deal. So a very limited market for J.D. Martinez that he can limit even further on the trade market kind of you know takes away the chance of him getting traded. The more likely options, obviously, that Mookie Betts trade. Or if Bloom is able to get creative and maybe trade David Price to a contender package, a, a younger player, Michael Chavis, a Bobby Dahlbeck, C.J. Chatham, someone like that. Maybe trade Nathan Avaldi in a similar deal to cut payroll and and you know try to get at least something back for those guys uh, for a team built around a starting rotation. Um, they almost need that the Dodgers like bailout with the Beckett Crawford and Gonzalez deal uh, for one of their starters now, which, which uh, things turn around quickly. Why are they in this predicament? Obviously, it's that they have 135, 136 million uh, committed to seven guys on guaranteed contracts. That's JD, David Price, Chris Sale, Bogarts, Ivaldi, Dustin Pedroia, and Christian Vasquez. Arbitration raises and medical expenses and all those things you get to factor in will account for about 80 or 85 million more. That'll bring the Red Sox to 220 million in, in a projected payroll. That's 12 million more than they can have. And that's even before making any additions. That's with Rick Porcello, Mitch Moreland, Steve Pierce, Brock Holt, all these guys, Andrew Kashner off the books um, and not having any additions uh, for a team that's going to need some. Mookie not engaging in trade talks yet, or not, excuse me, not extension talks make sense it's only been 10 days 14 days into Bloom's tenure he's been in florida getting organized getting his family ready to move and i'm sure they'll be meeting up with the representatives for mookie Betts at the gm meetings this week 
uh, something that, and I was on uh, the Bradford show with Rob Bradford the other day, uh, and we talked about kind of the perception of Mookie Betts. Uh, and according to a Twitter poll that I, I did, it's about 50-50 on people hoping that he would come back, uh, which I thought was, was pretty ridiculous. If you you know said a year ago after the year he had, a perfect fit in Boston, the production, uh, being able to block everything out, MVP-type season, the Red Sox and their payroll constraints and everything that's that's happened in the last year, which has obviously been a lot, um, the fact that 50% of people were actually, you know, hopefully he would opt out, I think is absurd. You know, I, I think the Red Sox trust Bloom to be able to make moves creatively, to be able to make moves quickly. Um, and having JD on your roster, yes, it makes things a little bit tighter with the payroll, but there are options. They have options, and, and there's a lot worse options for teams than having one of the best hitters in baseball in the middle of your lineup for at least the next year. The GM meetings will begin, uh, I believe, Monday uh, as the unofficial start. Tuesday, the official start. Be a lot of coverage uh, from people uh, covering the Red Sox. Me and my partner, Chris Smith, will both be there for all four days of the meetings a lot of members of the beat are going which is a little bit rare but with a new gm and heim bloom's first chance uh to really start making moves everybody will be out there to give a sense kind of what the gm meetings are it's like a winter meetings light the winter meetings are kind of this like crazy convention where uh you know so many people are going and trying to uh get jobs and they have the job seekers and everybody's there from all around baseball and it's this huge huge convention and this networking event and obviously a lot of moves are made that's the first or second week in december the gm meetings are kind of the the unofficial almost official start to the off season everybody gathers uh, in one hotel the agents for a lot of players are there Uh, teams have small contingents in their front office Uh, a lot of media members go it's usually in a warm place in December, which is which is good. It's in Scottsdale, Arizona uh, this year, in San Diego last year, and uh, people are going to be uh, kind of flying in the next couple of days, and uh, it's it's a lot more informal, but there are a couple media availabilities uh, as as the days go on where Bloom will be made available to, to those of us on the beat to check in, talk about kind of the sense he's gotten on Mookie Betts, on, you know, the rest of the team on if they're going to re-sign any of the free agents if extensions are possible when he had his introductory press conference two weeks ago at Fenway he and I think rightly so said that there was uh he didn't have enough knowledge about the Red Sox to really comment on any of the specifics that's totally makes sense he was with a rival organization for the last 15 years he knew some things but now that he has access to all the internal information he was going to familiarize himself with that as part of his first couple weeks in the job he's done that reached out to players reached out to coaches stayed talking to manager Alex Cora frequently and something that Sam Kennedy found very impressive talking to him this week Sam said that he was really happy that Heim reached out to a lot of Red Sox alumni, talked to Carly Stremski, talked to Jim Rice, guys like that, uh, and really trying to make his mark and try to introduce himself to you know people who made the organization uh, what it is. Bloom didn't comment on anything. Was very you know I don't know yet, so I can't comment. He's obviously learned a lot in the last two weeks, being around a little bit in the last couple of days in Boston, and being in constant communication with everybody, uh, and really starting to formulate his off-season plan. Uh, and I'm sure that we'll get a, a lot more uh, from him about the specifics of how he's going to approach this salary crunch, how he's going to approach the Mookie Betts situation, the injuries to the starting pitchers, um, guys like that. So. Uh, a, a lot of specifics will be coming in the next few days. 
Very interestingly, the GM meetings usually, uh, especially for the Red Sox, last year right after the World Series, uh, kind of a, a crazy stretch where they won the World Series on a Sunday night in L.A., the parade was Wednesday on Halloween in Boston, uh, and then the next Monday was the start of the GM meetings, uh, or the year-end press conference was Thursday with David Dombrowski and Alex Cora. The GM meetings were the next Monday in Carlsbad, California, so going coast-to-coast a few times uh, in that short span, which was which was kind of crazy. Uh, the GM meetings were relatively useless for the Red Sox last year because they were literally you know four days removed from a parade. Now they're very, very important this year as Bloom really starts to make his mark in the next few days. The Rays under Bloom and GM Eric Neander, and this is a topic in my notes column this week on Thursday, have been traditionally one of the busiest teams in November. Uh, November's not, you know, obviously traditionally the big trading month, the big free agent signing month. Usually wait till December or January for that, but. These guys in, in Tampa Bay over the last few years have prided themselves on they're going to make a move whenever they see, whenever they think they should. So um, last year at the GM meetings, there was one trade made. It was between the Rays and the Mariners. Catcher Mike Zanino goes to the Rays. You'll notice the Rays and the Mariners were really big trade partners and made a lot of big deals and a lot of November deals over the last few years. Not sure exactly if that connection's with Bloom or with Neander, but the familiarity between those teams, if any Mariners ever available in trade, I'm sure you'll hear the Red Sox interested them now uh, with Bloom there. Same with the Rays. He knows that system, and and the Red Sox and Rays have shown a willingness to trade before. Obviously, the Nathan Evaldi deal last year for Jalen Beeks at the trade deadline. Uh, You know, so there's the familiarity there. And the Rays and the Dodgers for frequently made some deals. Andrew Friedman used to run the Rays, used to be behind Bloom's boss. He's now in LA. Uh, he, the f- former Red Sox GM candidate, Andrew Friedman, before they hired Bloom, uh, is still in LA and, and going to be uh, making uh, probably some frequent calls, potentially about Mookie Betts. And obviously that line of communication will be open between Bloom and Friedman like it always has been uh, for the former, uh, former co-workers in Tampa. So the Red Sox actually could make a move this week. Uh, I'm not saying it's likely, but it's definitely more possible than it was under Dave Dombrowski. Dave kind of like to stand pat and running the numbers this week. uh, It's incredible how many more uh, transactions the Rays made in the winter, in the offseason periods uh, than J.D. Martinez. I mean, than than Dave Dombrowski, excuse me. I mean, the, uh, the Red Sox, as everybody knows, last winter, they re-signed Pierce, re-signed Evaldi, claimed Colton Brewer, acquired him in a trade, I guess, from the Padres. That was the only 40-man addition. Uh, the Red Sox have already made the same number of 40-man additions that they did as they did a year ago, getting Josh, Josh Osich, a lefty reliever, off waivers from the White Sox. In the last three offseason, that's since Bloom was promoted to a top position in Tampa, including trades, free agent signings, minor league signings, waiver claims, um, in other transactions, the Rays made 69 moves in the last three winters. The Red Sox made just 35. That includes the Rays making 22 trades in those three periods. The Red Sox made just five. Obviously, the ones the Red Sox made were big. Chris Sale, that huge deal. And you know, Moncada and everybody goes to Chicago. That's a, that's a blockbuster for sure. You know, the Tyler Thornburg trade is in there as well. Colton Brewer trade, obviously some more minor things. I'm sure there's a Wade Miley sprinkled in there somewhere. Um, but the Rays in that time when the Red Sox were just making five deals in three years, three off seasons, made 22 a lot with the Mariners, a lot of you know smaller trades, some bigger ones. They're facing a uh, 
salary crunch in spring training. They traded Jake Odorizzi, Corey Dickerson within a couple of days of each other. Odorizzi obviously uh, has kind of risen to to a different level in Minnesota. And the Rays have made really you know, small moves, a bunch of back end of the roster moves, and kind of crafted that creatively. And then some big ones, trading a franchise icon and Evan Longoria to the Giants, and I'm sure that that'll, that'll kind of inform how Bloom wants to make his decision and approach this Mookie Betts situation in the next few days. They were in Tampa constantly focused on churning the roster, constantly looking to improve, and you know, Heim Bloom comes in, and, and I think it was telling in his first week. And the Red Sox have a ton of open 40-man spots just because you know they had a bunch of very bad players on the back end of that roster who have you know opted out, uh, not in the J.D. Martinez level opt-out, but elected for agency, elected minor league for agency, Juan Centeno, Josh Smith, Gorky Hernandez, a few of those guys that were on the roster toward the end of the year playing that wonderful, meaningless September baseball we all were so lucky to witness. Those guys have opt, uh, opted out, creating some 40-man spots for the Red Sox. They're also, you know, all the free agents, Porcello, Moreland, Holt, Pierce, Yolish Shasin, Red Sox legend Yolish Shasin, Andrew Kashner, and a few others coming off. Um, so the Red Sox had a lot of 40-man spots. Kyle Bloom, looking at it, you know, decided – Hey, there's a guy in Josh Oshitz who I've had interest in in the past, uh, a guy with the White Sox who's really good at getting lefties out. Why not give him one of these spots? He's probably better uh, than any of the other options that uh, we have currently on the roster. The Red Sox adding a guy from outside the organization. Within three days of Bloom officially being hired, I thought was telling about how he's going to try to build the back end of the roster. For all that we talked about of you know, the top and the pitching staff last year and Sale getting hurt and Price getting hurt and Evaldi being bad and getting hurt and, and all these guys and Porcello being having a horrible year. You know, the back end of the roster, there wasn't depth to cover up for those guys. You know, Brian Johnson and Hector Velasquez, it was said a billion times by Alex Cora last year or in 2018 that those guys were the MVPs of the team because they played that hybrid role and were great depth pieces and really subbed in with, with so many injuries and so much overuse of the bullpen. You have guys like Ryan Weber and Josh Smith and um, all these guys trying to eat innings for the Red Sox and, and at a certain point, um, you know, it showed that those are our 4A type guys. The Red Sox are looking for some talent. You know, 40 man spots should not be, they should not have so many wasted 40 man spots as they do, as they did at the end of the season, and they did have uh, a ton of those. So, um, Starting now, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a couple smaller moves by the Red Sox in the next couple weeks. The GM meetings are a great place for that uh, to start, and, and Osich gets the first uh, roster spot uh, to go uh, to an external player this winter. Here's some of the people I think Bloom is going to meet with this week at the GM meetings. Obviously, Mookie Betts' agent. I think he's going to meet with you know the agents for the guys who have departed. There's a few guys who and free agency have expressed that they are legitimately interested in taking a hometown discount to come back to Boston. Brock Holt, Rick Porcello are two of those guys. Uh, if Rick Porcello is willing to take, probably not at this point, but if he's willing to take a four or $5 million deal, there's a lot worse you could do than that in the rotation. So I think they'd explore that. I think the Red Sox are going to meet with pretty much every other team and the top executive for every other team. The Rangers are one to watch. The Rangers have, according to Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News, have explored and internally talked about the idea of acquiring one of the Red Sox pitchers, acquiring one of the high-priced arms in a salary dump type deal. They want to make a splash heading into a new stadium, um, which I always think is, is a dumb way to operate, but they're interested in it. So uh, maybe try to get David Price or Nathan Navaldi 
to the Rangers. Heim Bloom will see if that's possible this week. I'm sure they'll meet with pretty much every GM from every team. The Braves, the Dodgers, the Padres, those teams that I said could be interested in Mookie Betts. I'm sure they'll start getting an idea of when or what they could be offering uh, at this point. And then, you know, there's definitely some relievers on the free agent market. The Red Sox are going to have some interest in. I'm sure they'll add an arm or two. Finally, we've been waiting for that for a few years. As I see on Twitter, every single day, they didn't get a reliever at the deadline um, in 2018. They didn't get one last winter and obviously not over the trade deadline this year. A word from Indochino. Indochino is founded on the belief that you don't need to spend a fortune on a custom wardrobe. I uh, had the pleasure of going through the ordering process. It was very easy. Get to measure at home. You get to go through your measurements. Very simple. Um, Measure everything. Put it in online, and your uh, custom shirt will come within a couple of weeks. Or you can go to a showroom. There's one on Newbury Street in Boston. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. You get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, your lining, and your own monogram. They have hundreds of suit options for all occasions, including work, formal events, and even your own wedding. The best part is that they are affordable. Almost every piece of clothing from Indochino is under $400. The process is simple. You choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Start your style upgrade now with 30% off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering SOCKS. That's promo code SOX at the checkout. Shipping is free. That's Indochino.com. Promo code SOX, 30%, $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. It's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't fit. So as I pack for the GM meetings today, I will be sure to throw in my Indochino shirt that the nice people over there were so nice to send me. So that's pretty much it uh, on this week's episode. Kind of a lot going on. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot of coverage from the GM meetings, probably do a podcast from there. Thank you all for listening, and uh, stay tuned. Could be busy in Scottsdale.